stuff that's going on in the world. And it uh, just happened to be that today that was on the news or on Facebook. Some people posted it. And it mentioned um, that that's going on. And we actually talked exactly about Sweden last night that that was happening. So uh, that's what is, is being called right now a chip. Um, but the Bible in Revelation 13 calls it the mark of the beast. And uh, that they're not calling it that yet. And as he said, it's not mandatory yet. But it's exactly what the, the, the book of Revelation talks about will be, uh, could be the mark of the beast. So we just say that tonight because we know that we're living in, 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 in the end times. Amen. So Luke chapter 9, not going to preach on end times tonight, but I wanted to uh, take advantage of that being on the internet today and uh we know that one day it will be mandatory amen we saw that last night in revelation 13 it said that the beast would cause by force every person great or small uh free free or or or, uh or sorry uh rich or poor every person in the world to take a mark either in their right hand or in their forehead and uh that's where we're seeing that technology move towards so we need to understand tonight that we're in a race. I mean, oh, we're in a race tonight. And we're called to finish the race. And I want to look at Luke chapter 9, um, if you would. And I want to uh, give a quick story as we read this uh, tonight after Luke chapter 9. Say amen if you're there. I want to start in 57. My Bible says the cost of discipleship. It says it happened as they sojourned on the road that someone said, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said, foxes have holes and and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And he said to another, follow me. And he said, Lord, let me go first and bury my father. And Jesus said, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. And another said, Lord, I will follow you, but let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. And Jesus said these words, and this is what I want you to get tonight in the message. He said, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Father, we ask you to anoint your word tonight on this Wednesday night. Lord, challenge us. Lord, we want to be challenged in your word. We want to understand who we are in you and what we're called to do tonight. Father, anoint your word and anoint our ears to hear. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said... Amen. He who has put his hand to the plow, it says, and looks back. It's always amazing to me how the Holy Spirit does the songs. I won't go back. I won't go back to the way I used to be. That's what Jesus is saying. You don't come and give your life to Jesus and say, I'll follow you, and then turn around and go back. Going back is not an option tonight. Amen. Look at the person close to you and say, going back is not an option. Amen. We're not going back. We're going forward. And we're going to finish the race. And we're going to finish strong. Can you say amen? How many in here tonight will declare with me that we're going to finish? We're going to finish this race that we're in. There was a man in 1968 in the Mexican Olympics that were hosted in Mexico. And they were doing a marathon. They were doing the major long run. And of course, there's always those Africans that are very good at that. Amen? Kenyans, Ethiopians especially. And so they shot out. And true story, they began to run, and everybody ran, and, and the, the race was going on, and uh, people began to come in after several, uh, whatever, I guess it's hours, and finishes the race, and people are coming across the finish line, because obviously in that race, they, 
this particular one, they would go out into the city and run around the city wherever they had designated, and they would come back into the stadium. And so, obviously, the first person came across, and he was an Ethiopian, and then two others came across, and those three stood up on the, on the platform to get their gold, silver, and uh, bronze medals. But there was a man from Tanzania. Amen? Dylan will appreciate that. And he was running in this race, and he got hurt about halfway through the race and pulled his calf muscle. I've pulled, actually I've torn both my calf muscles, and Laura is a testament to that, amen? So I know what that feels like, and when you, when you pull or tear a calf muscle, you would be amazed how much it affects your whole body, not just your leg. And so this guy pulled his calf muscle halfway through the race. And how many know halfway through a marathon is a long race? Amen? And so he pulled it, and everything in him said quit. How many have ever been walking your walk with the Lord, and, you, and something in you said quit? Something in this world, I guess, oh, only two people? Okay. The rest of you are liars. Amen. I was just trying to get your participation, but we all have. Amen? Everybody gets tempted to quit. And it doesn't matter if you've been saved a long time, or a short amount of time the devil's behind us he's speaking in our ear he puts circumstances in our life and he says quit go back to your old ways go back to your old life and how many have seen where that goes how many have seen some of your friends go back and see where that goes amen and so we're not going back and the bible actually even gets gross and says that it's like a dog going back to his vomit that's what the bible says so we're not going back to that tonight, amen? We're going to go forward. So this man is running the race, and his, his, his calf is, is pulled, and you can imagine the pain, and he has a long way to go. So he somehow, inside of him, gets the power and the willpower and the strength to keep running the race, and the end of the story is, is several hours later, there has been an exodus of almost everybody in the, in the stadium, but there's a few thousand people left, that know this man is still trying to finish the race and they're waiting for him to come to the finish line. And the end of the story is the true story, 1968, Mexican Olympics in Mexico. This man from, from Tanzania comes across the finish line and literally falls over the finish line and, and, and just about dies in pain. And finally when they get him up and they get him hydrated, amen, and they begin to talk to him and say, hey, how, how come you kept running? What was the reason that you finished the race in all that pain? You're talking about 12 or 13 miles that you ran with a pulled calf muscle. It's hard to run that many miles with a good muscle. Amen. And so they finally asked him and, and he was in pain and he said these words right here. He said, when my country sent me to run this race, they sent me to run it not, not only but to finish it. And those were his words as he went across the finish line. How many know tonight that God has not called us just to run in this race? God has called us to finish this race. What good does it do if we ran but we don't finish? And I want to show you in the Bible in another verse in Philippians chapter 3. If you'd go there. Knowing in our hearts and minds of what Jesus has already said. That anybody who takes their hands on the plow and turns around and looks back is not what? worthy how many want to be worthy tonight amen how many want to do what jesus has called us to do how many believe that the bible says there's a great cloud of witnesses in heaven that are that are cheering for us tonight there are many many 
millions and I don't know if billions of people in heaven tonight that are cheering for us, amen, that have already finished the race. I've got grandparents that have finished the race, amen, and I believe that they're cheering us on tonight and they're saying, look guys, you're almost there. Don't quit now, amen? Don't finish now. Don't, don't stop now. Go the extra mile. Finish the race tonight. It's almost time for us to be reunited again, amen? It's almost time to see Jesus face to face, amen? And so Paul had that mentality. And we know what Paul went through. We know the crazy, horrible things that Paul, who was Saul, went through. And Philippians 3 verse 7 says, The things that were gained to me, I have now counted loss for Christ. You want to make it for Jesus? Get that understanding. I said that Sunday. Get the understanding of the paradox of the gospel. That if you want to live, you must die. If you want to get, you must give. If you want to be exalted, you must humble yourself. And so Paul is saying, I don't look at what is gained for me anymore. But what is gained, I count it as loss for the cost of Christ. Amen. And then he says on in verse 10 that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead and look at these verses we've heard many times not that I have already attained or am already perfected what does he do? I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. And he says, brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do. He says, I forget those things that are behind me and I reach toward those things that are ahead. Amen. I press toward the goal, towards the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. How many know we have got a call tonight and there is a prize for the call that God has given us? You have to remember that we're not running a race tonight just to run it. We're running for a prize. And how many know that the reward that God has for us, it will way outweigh the problems? How many can just get that understanding tonight? The reward, you, you say, well, I don't know exactly what it is. Listen, if you believe the gospel, you can believe tonight that the reward that God has for us is better than any reward we can even, we can even think about in our minds. It's better than any prize that we can think of. Amen? And he's got it waiting for us if we what? Finish the race. Now, Saul turned Paul was a great finisher. We saw what he did. We saw how he finished his race. But I want to talk about the finisher tonight. I want to talk about Jesus. I want to give you some examples in Jesus' life tonight where Jesus could have quit. I, I, I told you Sunday morning and I reminded you Sunday morning and I, I shared a gospel message about how God came down from heaven to be a man. In God, the, God in form of a man and in, in a human body. And he, and he did what he did for us to be saved. But how many know that in that human body, there were many, many times Jesus could have quit? Do y'all realize that tonight? We don't really understand what Jesus did for us if we don't understand how many times he could have quit. It's not that it was already just done and walked out. He had to make decisions. I'm going to give you some examples tonight. And uh, 
right before we do just go over to Hebrews chapter 12 I don't want to leave this out Hebrews chapter 12 just give me a shout of amen when you're there and I got ahead of myself a couple uh, seconds ago when I when I said this but I want to read this verse Hebrews chapter 12 1 to 3 says therefore we are we also since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us looking unto Jesus looking if you listen if you try to run the race tonight in your own power you're gonna you're gonna fail looking unto Jesus the author and finisher of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God amen he endured the cross for you and me now I want to tell you a few examples the first one is that Jesus at the end I like to go to the end backwards we know Jesus finished okay and I've said this a whole bunch of times today somebody said today that uh, you you can't prove that Jesus was who he says he is and I always say it, you don't have to prove that Jesus was on this earth that's a historical fact every history book in the world says that if you don't believe that you got problems that's not even something you have to have faith for Jesus was on this earth a man named Jesus from Nazareth was on this earth that's a historical fact the fact that he was crucified and died on a cross is a historical fact there's no argument about that you can say all you want well I don't really believe that well that's history the thing that we believe by faith is that he rose from the dead that's where faith comes in it doesn't take any faith to believe Jesus was on this earth and if you don't believe that just listen to what year you're in we're in the year 2015 AD after death okay he, he had to have been somebody changed history he changed the course of time and so we know that he was real and all we have to do is believe that he rose from the dead and conquered death for us but the thing is, is we know that before he conquered death and rose again, he had to finish what he came to do. And we know that he went to the cross and the ultimate finished part of what he did was he hung there and he said these words in John 19, it is finished. And we remember tonight that Jesus was not killed. Jesus was not murdered. Jesus gave his life. Amen. He gave his life. He was not thrown up there by force alone. He allowed them to kill him. We know that at any moment, church, at any moment upon the walking of the earth, on the walking to the cross and putting, being placed on the cross and being bitten and all the things that went on in the time where he was dying for us, at any moment he could have called down a legion of angels. At any moment. And I've said this before and I'll say this again tonight as we're mentioning quitting. I know for a fact that I'm thankful I wasn't Jesus. And I'm thankful you weren't Jesus. Because I know where I would have failed. And it would have been at that point when the people looked at me and said, you have saved others, save yourself. And I would have said, okay, I'm going to. Bam. Not a lit them all up. And you would have too. 
Come on, be real. Be real. You see, you saved others, save yourself. Start whipping out the lightning. Right? And none of you be, don't try to act holy and think you all oh, ought to stay on there. Man, you would have got off that cross and done some whooping. Amen? But Jesus knew that it was not enough to just get on the cross. He had to finish. And he said the most powerful, listen, the most powerful words ever said. It is finished. How many know one day we're going to hear the words, it is finished to us? How many are waiting for that day when you're going to hear the words, enter in? Good and faithful servants. Amen. That is what we are looking for. That is what we are waiting for. And I got about half of you excited about that day and the other half, I don't know what you're excited about. Amen. But there is coming a day when we're going to hear the Lord say, come into your rest. You've done good. You've been faithful. You've ran the race. You served me. You sacrificed. You stayed the course. Here is enter into the rest, enter into eternity, enter into what eye hasn't seen and ear hasn't heard and hasn't even entered into the thoughts of man. What's waiting for us when he said, It is finished. Jesus could have quit all the way back in Luke chapter 2 when he went to the temple and his parents rebuked him for being there. You realize that at 12 years old, Jesus could have said, forget this. My parents just rebuked me. They don't understand. He could have quit at that moment. He could have said, my parents don't, they don't get this. I'm, I'm done, God. Let's just, I'm coming back home. He could have just gone up. and You realize Jesus could have gone up to heaven anytime he wanted to. He stayed on this earth. The second time we see was a very powerful thing in the, in the gospel of Luke 4. And if you're taking notes, I'm just going to give you the chapter and you can write them down. Amen? Luke chapter 4. When he was tempted by Satan, the Bible says, we're looking at Luke chapter 4 and he comes out and what do we know the devil does? The devil tempts him. Amen? The devil says, hey, jump off this cliff. Eat this bread. And we're not going to go into the whole story. How many know at that moment... He could have quit. Amen. He could have quit. I'm trying to give you some examples that way before Jesus ever said it is finished, he could have quit. How about this? How about being born, and this was of course by choice by God. How about being born, and you can study this out in one of the worst. How many, let me say this first. How many of you are, thought, are not too super happy about the city you were born in? Just be honest. You, maybe you come from a city. Come on, I know. That, thank you for a few honest people. And there were some people that are born in some cities that, that are not that great. Okay, there you go. Thank you. Honest people, finally. Okay, all right. I, I don't really remember the city I was born in that much. I was only there until I was five. But it doesn't matter. There's some cities that are, you think, man, if I had a choice, that's not where I'd have been born. And you can go even further and you think, well, if I had a choice of who my parents would have been or who, all, all kinds of things, I'd have been born in a different place. We don't have that choice. God had the choice. And God decided to have Jesus born in Nazareth. I'm not going to go into it too long, but I can tell you that Nazareth was not the great city to be born in. It is, it is the stench of that area. It's, and, and I'm not, like I said, I'm not trying to make a message out of this, but he could have been angry when he was born in that city. And as he got older, the Bible says in Luke 4, let's look at this real quick. Go with me to Luke chapter 4. I do want you to see this. Luke chapter 4. How many are still here? Did I lose you already? You didn't tap out, did you? 
Luke 4. Get there quickly. I want to show you something. I'm talking about finishing strong. Who are we supposed to follow? Jesus. Who's our example? Jesus. We need to do what he says. Being a Christian is being Christ-like. So if Jesus finished, we need to finish. Okay? There's going to be a lot of people in this world who ran the race but didn't finish. It doesn't matter how you started. It matters how you finish. I just want to throw that out there one more time. I've seen a lot of people start really good. How many have ever seen a race where you see somebody shoot out the, out the, out the uh, starting line and boy, they're gone. I'm not talking about a 100-yard dash. I'm talking about a distance run. I, when, you, when we were younger and we were kids, we all shot out because we had no clue what it took to finish a race. And if it was a long distance one, I remember be all the way back when, I, I don't know if anybody else was a kid in here, I remember being in that race and they'd say go, and if it was a long distance thing, you, you, you didn't know any better than to do what? Sprint. Right? And after about 50 yards as a kid, there's no more sprint in you. And the problem is you've got a mile ahead of you. And you're out. Right? Do y'all remember that? And sometimes you think, oh, I'm going to win this race. You're looking back, and everybody's way back there. And then about 50 yards more, you're looking forward, and everybody's in front of you because you shot out too fast. Many Christians start strong. But only true believers finish strong. Many are called, but few are chosen. The road to destruction is wide, but the path to eternal life is narrow why because not everybody can stay on the road not everybody can stay in the race it's easy to get in the race but it's not easy to finish and we see in Luke chapter 4 verse 13 sorry verse 14 then Jesus returned in the power of the spirit to Galilee this is right after uh, he's he's being uh, tempted and, and news is surrounding of him that he's in the region. He's taught in the synagogues, being glorified by all. But then he comes to Nazareth, verse 16, where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. Now, right before I read this, look back at me for a second. Where, where are my sports people? Let me see. Anybody who ever played sports at all? Okay? It, and I would might argue with you on what your sport is, but but if long as you think it was sports, amen. <laughs> All right. So if we played sports somewhere as a player of any type, elementary, junior high, high school, whatever, okay? Like for instance, chess is not a sport, amen. Just throw that out there. How many know if you've ever played sports, you're gonna have your good days and your bad days? Right? If you had good days every day, you'd be a pro. And even pros have bad days, okay? But there's those days where every sport you played in, okay, and you had a good day, and man, when you won that day or you did what you did good or whatever it was, you, you were excited and you, were, you felt high and you were like, I'm, I'm somebody. And then what happens in sports? The next time you play, you get humiliated, right? Okay, I see now who's played sports. Only a few people. Come on. If you've played sports, you get humiliated. You can't win all the time. You're going to lose. Okay? So Jesus has just come out of the wilderness. 
he won an amazing battle although it was very difficult then he goes into Galilee and we just see there that, that God was glorified by all so he comes off a of victory he's in his victory march then he goes to Nazareth look what happens he gets into that city stands up on the Sabbath in verse 17 and when he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah he begins to preach and says the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recover sight to the blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and then he goes on to say he closed the book gave it back to the attendant and sat down and the eyes of him all who were in the, in the synagogue were fixed on him and he says today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing those are some bold words so all bore witness to him and marveled at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth and they said is this not Joseph's son isn't this just the carpenter's son? And he says to them, you will surely say this proverb to me. Physician, heal yourself. Whatever we have heard done in Capernaum, we also hear in your country. I do also hear in your country. And he says, watch this. Assuredly, I say to you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. But I tell you truly, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah when the heaven was shut up three years and six months. There was great famine through the land, but to none of them was Elijah sent except to Zarephath in the region of Sidon to a woman who was just a widow. Many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elisha the prophet, and none of them were cleaned, clean except Naaman the Syrian. Why? Because he says, those in the synagogue, these things were filled with wrath and rose up and thrust him out of the city. Listen, and they led him to the brow of the hill on their city which was built that they might throw him off the cliff. This is Jesus preaching the gospel, doing good things, and now he finds himself in his own city, in his own house. One of the things you probably realize being saved now is that your family and your people in your family are not always going to be as welcoming to you and as supportive to you in your new walk as you think. You would think that your family, it blows me away when I see somebody who used to be in drugs and alcohol and shacking up and doing whatever change their life, but the parents aren't happy. It's amazing to me. They don't want to have anything to do with them. It's biblical. Don't feel bad if your family doesn't accept you. They didn't accept Jesus either. You're in good company. And I don't think any of your family members have ever tried to throw you off a cliff. They might have thought about it. But I don't think they've ever tried. Amen. And here Jesus in his own city at the edge of a cliff. Y'all realize that's some serious stuff. A cliff you usually don't come back from. But the Bible says, obviously, we know Jesus wasn't done. So it says he passing through the midst of them went his way. He escaped. God got him out of there. He could have quit right there. How many would have quit right there? My people don't want me. They're trying to throw me off a cliff. I'm done. I'm quitting this thing. I'm not finishing this race. Another time in his life was in Luke chapter 5. 
and in 15 when the Pharisees, listen, rebuked him for reaching out to sinners. He starts reaching out to lost people. I love it when people get mad at us for reaching out to lost people. And we're doing what Jesus did. And they were reaching out. Zacchaeus, the chief tax collector, comes over to his house in Luke 19. And all the Pharisees are getting on him and saying, you got a sinner in your house. Jesus could have quit right there. In Luke chapter 6, he heals somebody with a withered hand. Have you ever seen a bad healing? Is there such a thing as a bad healing? Have you ever been healed and went, man, I didn't like that very much? There's no such thing as a bad healing, yet this Jesus walks in the synagogue on a Sabbath day and heals a man of a withered hand, and the Pharisees get mad at him. <coughs> Could have quit right there. Luke chapter 8. He could have felt like quitting when his disciples, he thought, were never going to get it. How many remember the times in the Bible when Jesus would say, How long do I have to be with you? Y'all read that? How long do I have to tell you this stuff? Right? He could have said, Forget it. I can't do this. I'm, I'm, throwing, I'm running through these things quickly, but y'all are getting the idea, right? We just see Jesus on the cross and resurrecting in heaven and we don't think that he, besides the cross, we think, oh, that wasn't, that. you don't think of all the times that he could have quit. We just take for granted that he finished. Y'all realize that tonight? We think we take things for granted. We just think, we just have, it's, it's done. It's done for us. It's done. It's, it's finished. We got the words. It's finished. And that's one of the biggest things I think is a failure in the Christian church today is we think that because it's finished, it's easy. And we don't have to make choices and we don't have to set boundaries and we don't have to lay things aside. Jesus at any part in his life and many times in his life, I'm trying to show you tonight, could have quit because one of the biggest lies of the devil to us as believers is when we feel like quitting... We think, well, I already feel like quitting. I might as well because I failed already because I feel like quitting. I must be doing something wrong. Maybe I'm not talking to anybody in here tonight. Maybe you never felt like quitting before. Amen? Has anybody ever felt like quitting? Okay, I, I thought I was talking to some human beings in here tonight. That goes through our minds. I don't want to do this. No, I don't. Well, the crazy thing is, what would we go back to, though? That's what's crazy. And even, even Peter got that revelation. Remember, he said, Jesus, where will we go? Where will we go if we leave you? Remember when he was in the boat in Luke 8, and they wake him up and say, Jesus, it's, it's storming in here. It's storming out here. And he has to get up and say, peace be still. Remember that? He could have said, forget this. When we get back to shore, we're done. I'm not getting on a boat with y'all again. Y'all don't let me have my naps. You don't let me sleep. You got to make me get up and rebuke the storm when you could have rebuked it yourself. Luke 11. He's healing people again. He's healing people again. And they have the audacity to say you're healing people by the power of Beelzebub. By the power of Satan. That would have been another moment where I'd have lost it. 
I'd have been another moment where I'd have said, Phew. I'd have withered the hand instead of healed it. <laughs> Amen? Oh, I know I'm talking to a bunch of saints in here. Y'all don't ever have thoughts. I'm just saying what y'all are thinking. And guess what? Why am I saying that? Because Jesus was in a real body with a real mind facing the temptations we face, but he didn't quit. He didn't quit. In that same chapter in Luke 11, the Pharisees are always just one example. And you can go read these later. I'm just giving you the chapters. They're they're trying to catch him in a play of his words. Remember those times in in the Gospels? Trying to come and catch him in his words. Trying to catch Jesus in his words. He could have said, man, I'm, God, I didn't come down for this. I didn't come down to, to deal with riddles, God. I didn't come down to deal with these little words, God. I've got a bigger picture. How many know sometimes when you're seeing the bigger picture, it's the little things that drive you nuts? I think God could have said, God, I'm done. Jesus could have said, God, let's just, let's just start over. Let's just do Noah again right now. I'm coming up, and you send it down. You know, we think, no way. If God thought that way once, he could think that way again. Remember he said with Noah, I wish I would not have even made man. I wish I wouldn't have even made him. There's another time in Luke 13. He heals a woman who's crooked and not even able to stand up for herself for 18 years. That's a miracle. Major scoliosis. Major curvature of the spine. This woman has been walking sideways and not been able to stand straight in Luke 13 for 18 years. Listen, and he heals her. And again, they say, Jesus, it's the Sabbath. Do you believe this stuff? I'm trying to show you that Jesus was tempted to quit. In Luke 17, this got me right here. How many, how many when you do something, you like a thank you? Just a thank you. Does that bother anybody? Just a thank you. I mean, you do something for somebody, just thank you. I'm not doing it for the thank you, but that's just like, that's just like manners, right? Thank you. We used to be working with these people in Costa Rica. We'd give gifts. We'd give food. We'd give things. And they wouldn't say thank you. They used to eat me up. I wasn't doing it for them. But I just wanted them to learn manners. And so I would say thank you for them. Or if they did not say thank you, I would say you're welcome. So at least they'd think about it. Come on, y'all. Really? really. How many know it's, it's important that when you do something, you're not doing it for praise, but thank you goes a long ways. When you get something from somebody, if you say thank you, you'd be amazed you might get something again. Amen. Jesus goes and heals 10 lepers in Luke 13. Sorry, in Luke 17. Heals 10 lepers. 10 people who are outcasts, can't even come into the city. They're lost. They're, they're, they're withered. They're falling apart, literally. Their bodies, their skin's falling off them. They're lepers. He heals them all. 10 of them. How many know the Bible to know how many lepers came back to thank Jesus? Tell me how many came back to thank Jesus out of ten. One. Out of quit. These people are not thankful for what I'm doing, God. 
We know we talk to the Father a lot. I, I, I wonder and probably think I, think, I think a lot of times Jesus was having that conversation with God. Okay? Because if we do, we know we're made in His image. He wasn't gossiping. He was just saying, Lord, as He's getting down to pray that day, this, I'm, not, I'm not having a good time. I just healed 10 lepers and just one came back to say thank you. Can we change this? I think before he got to the garden and we know he asked to change it, I think he had a bunch of times that he wanted to change it. Because he was in a human body. Now we know he didn't sin in his anger. But I know he had to have some thoughts. Luke 19, just a couple more. He goes to the synagogue again and he's been doing something. He's been really seeing some growth besides these people that are always picking on him for healing people. He's seeing some growth in the synagogue and he feels like, and we get this way sometimes in our walk, we feel like we're, we're gaining some ground. Right? How many feel like sometimes you're like, yeah, I'm getting, I'm getting somewhere. I'm starting to see some fruit in my life. And he starts to get that way and he walks in one day probably super happy. And he walks in and instead of seeing growth and instead of seeing a great church service, there's tables everywhere and everybody's selling stuff in the synagogue. And boy, we know he lost it that day. We know he didn't sin, but he lost it that day. And he showed a little bit of the aggression and anger that I'm talking about in these frustrations that I'm mentioning when he walked through and began to flip tables. Amen? Amen? He could have said after that, God, I'm done. I quit. This is ridiculous. Anybody follow me tonight? I'm showing you some examples where Jesus could have gave up. Luke chapter 20. He's healing again. And they say, by what authority are you healed? How many of you had cancer in here tonight and got healed would not care by what authority you got healed by? Just be honest. You'd just be happy, right? By what authority are you healing? By the authority of God. And at that moment, he could have got mad and quit. What authority are you healing by? Here's another one. Luke 22. When the Lord's Supper is going on. Y'all still here? This is, this is a real good one. This is going to bring it home. Everybody's sitting at the Lord's Supper, right? And well, laying, because we know they laid back then. And they're eating. Jesus is breaking bread. And two of his disciples have the audacity, audacity, the craziness to at that moment, the Last Supper, his celebration, say, Lord, who's better? Me or him? I'm just trying to give you a few examples of when I'd have just really thrown in the towel and probably thrown a few of these too. Amen? Are you kidding me? They had the audacity to ask, Lord, who's the greatest between us two? You know, we've been really doing this pretty well. Who's better? Me or him? Who's going to sit at the place with you? Oh, man. Luke 22. He's in the garden now, okay? Now he's there. He's, he's gone past all these other ones. Check, 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 check. Now he's in the garden. He's praying. He's been telling his disciples. I feel like sometimes th this frustration can be from us that 
anybody that's really getting the word and we're, we, we see where we're at today we see what's going on in the world and others just don't get it that he's been telling them now for three years I'm going to die I'm going to die for you I'm going to the cross I'm going to be killed and now they've had the last supper and he says it again to them they do that crazy thing who's, who's greater he gets past that he says let's go pray because they're going to come get me now Okay, that's not, it's common knowledge that what's going to happen. It's not like they're like, oh, what's the next part of the movie, Lord? He's telling them. They're going to come get me. He said, let's go pray. And he's praying. And as he's praying, the disciples are not only not praying with him, they're sleeping. They're asleep. Can you imagine the agony Jesus was going through? And they're sleeping on him. And I won't go into it too long, but he goes and wakes them up. Can you not tarry with me one hour? Yeah, yeah, yes, Lord. Yes, 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 Lord. We're here, we're here, we're here, we're here. Gotcha. Goes away, gets on his knees again. This time, he's so in agony that blood is coming out of his sweat. And he looks over, and all he really wants is just to see somebody else praying with him. And he could probably wipe that and say, okay, this is going to be worth it. Like some of us in church, right? <laughs> Wake up! Frustration. Y'all hear it? Frustration. I'm just trying to show you the humanity of the Lord that many times he could have threw this in and said, forget these people. But he fin- because we go, oh, this is, this, this is so hard. This serving God is so hard. You don't, we don't know what hard is. Jesus knew what hard was. And he finished the race. Then, finally, in the last part of this horrible chapter of everything he's done, he's he's taken from the garden, he's brutally beaten, he's mocked by those soldiers and blasphemed and spit on. Okay? And all of that happens, right? Everything I just mentioned everything I just said happens and we haven't even gotten to the cross yet and I'm not going to go in that tonight I'm going to ask the musicians to come all these I just mentioned to you 17 events that on 17 out of 17 I would have quit you probably would have quit you would have gave up. And I don't believe that anything that we go through on this earth could compare to the things Jesus was going through. Yet he stayed the course and did not quit. He finished the race. Can you say amen? And then as he gets to the cross, church, even before he gets there, he's whipped with a cat of nine tails. A, tail, a cat of nine tails whipped to where there's no flesh left on his back and we don't need to go watch the passion if you want to see all the stuff he goes through at any moment along that walk, that walk church he could have quit he could have said I'm done but he got to the end and he said it is finished I don't know about you but I want to say those words I want to finish the race tonight yes. amen
Wouldn't it be horrible for us to be in this race, whether you've been saved for six months or 60 years? Wouldn't it be horrible to have been in the race all this time and just be right to the finish line and quit? This is not the time to quit. This is not the time to look back. This is not the time to get frustrated. This is not the time to worry about little things. This is the time to look up to the Father and fall in more in love with Him than you've ever been, to get closer to Him than you've ever been, to do more for Him than you've ever done, to pray more than you've ever prayed, to worship more than you've ever worshipped, to be less uh, worried about these things of this world than you've ever been. This is the time to finish strong. Father, we thank you tonight for your word. Lord, you are our example. You are what you said in Hebrews, the author and the finisher of our faith. The author and the finisher of our faith. Lord, you started this in us and you even said in your word, you will help us finish it. He who has began a good thing in you, he will finish it. But it takes mutual consent. You have to say, God, I'm in this to finish it. He's there to help you. The Bible says he's an ever-present help in time of trouble. The Bible says he'll never leave you or forsake you. But you got to stay with him. You got to stay in the race. You got to stay on the path tonight. You got to stay in the word. And don't allow the things that are going on in this world. Don't allow the things going on in your family. Don't allow the things going on in your finances. Don't allow the things going on anywhere in your life to be a stumbling block that would cause you to stop and quit right before the race finishes. Why do we know tonight that the race could finish? Because the Bible says today's the day of salvation. Because the Bible says tomorrow's not promised to any of us. We don't know what tomorrow brings. And as Dylan preached Sunday night, we need to live our, day, our lives every day like it's the last 24 hours. If you would just get that in your spirit, if you would just wake up every morning and say, God, today could be my last day on this earth. I'm going to do everything I can to live for you, to love others, to forgive, to, to, to do what you've called me to do, to obey your commands you would be victorious at the end of the day. And if you wake up to see another sunset, then you do it again every day. Don't don't worry about seven days from now. Don't worry about three weeks from now. Don't worry about next year. Worry about tomorrow. Worry about tomorrow and finishing strong tomorrow. 